You are listening to the Missio Tempe podcast. We are a church of missional communities, living as a family of missionary servants for the good of our city. For more information about our church, visit missiotempe.com. We hope this teaching encourages and challenges you to faithfully take up your role in the Missio Day. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Nick Barker. I'm one of the elders here. Um, and, and it's so great to have you join us as we um, have been tracking through the, the biblical story um, from, from Genesis to Revelation, from creation to, to new creation. And this morning, we're going to spend time um, looking at Pentecost, the day where God sends his spirit um, to empower uh, the church to, to proclaim and, and demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom. So this is a beautiful, powerful, amazing story. And one of the things that I've, I've realized is when we have um, these, these big epic stories within Scripture, um, oftentimes um, uh, when, when we hear these stories for the very first time or hear teaching for the very first time on, on one of these types of stories, um, usually that teaching becomes imprinted on the text, if you will, so that every time after that we come to the passage, um, we, we come to it with, with the understanding or the lens from that teaching. And so I work at a, um, a private Christian school in Scottsdale, and so I work with a lot of um, students who have a lot of Bible teaching. Right? And a lot of Bible teaching. And when you have a lot of Bible teaching, you have a lot of really quick answers um, to questions right, right off the bat. Uh, and so one of the things I want to do this morning is, is I want to may, maybe shed or, or suspend some of the initial quick instincts that we have from Acts chapter 2, especially within our, our lane within um, uh, the church or within our church network or tradition where um, we may have heard this passage taught many times to us. Um, and, and it may, may be in many different ways. And, and so what I want to do is I want to just spend some time um, looking at the correlating passages of Scripture that, that link up with Acts 2. And so this might be like a bit of a slow roll this morning, there's going to be a lot of reading, and uh, after we spend some time looking at a few different passages uh, in which God is, is kind of filling out this story, and, and after we paint some big strokes or see the big strokes that God is painting, here's the here's the big question that we're going to send you off into groups with: What is the Spirit of God putting on your heart this morning? So I also want to break you off into groups to do. Um, in a few moments. And so would you, would you follow along with me as we get into the, the passage and we will we'll go from there and see how this goes. So Acts chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. Father, would you illuminate um, your word to us? And Jesus, would you stir our affections for you in spirit, breath of the living God? Would, um, would he, we hear this story of you moving and you being sent upon the, the early church as a, a story of redemption, a story of hope, and a story of empowerment for us today. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together 
in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing wind, blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues, in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native languages? The word of the Lord. And so, so you have this wild passage where um, the, the disciples are in a room together. Jesus has just ascended into heaven. He tells them to wait. Don't do anything. He's going to send the helper, the spirit. Now you have the sending of the spirit that actually happens. God sends the Holy Spirit onto the church and immediately they're empowered with different languages or different tongues. In this specific case, um, the, the sending of tongues is the giving of different languages um, so that they can share the gospel and communicate to those who are speaking different languages who are somehow currently present in Jerusalem at the time. So let, let, let's break this down. I want, I want to look at kind of three passages that, that maybe help us understand a bigger picture uh, of what's going on here. Um, and so would you, would you flip over to Genesis chapter 11? Genesis chapter 11. So the question that, that we want to have um, on our minds this morning is, what, what is God doing in this moment? What is God doing in this moment? And, and if I'm honest, um, if, this was, if this was about a decade ago, um, I, I would stand up here filled with zeal and, and really just challenge us to be filled with the Spirit to emulate the early church. And if we don't, are we really like, are we living, really living in line with the Spirit, right? That, that's what I would do. But, you know, I... At SCA, uh, I was walking past a few students the other day, and one of the things that students do is they like to categorize teachers, right? You have the cool teachers and the lame teachers. You have the easy teachers and the hard teachers. And I don't really care where I'm placed with, with them, but then as I was passing by, I heard a different categorization, right? the young teachers and the old teachers. And so I stopped and I turned and I said, hey, I just, I'm curious. Where am I? Which group are you placing me in? And they, they paused and they looked around and they, they didn't say anything. And then one girl spoke up and said, Mr. Barker, you're in the old teacher group. 
but then, but then she tried to make me feel better. She goes, but you're like one of the young old teachers. I was like, oh goodness. Uh, but but here, here's one of the things that I realized is like um, the, uh, the more that we see the Bible as one story, the more we're able to see the profound strokes of redemption and movement of God from cover to cover. And I want to just spend some time looking at three of those. So the first one is this, Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will become impossible to them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from their all over the earth, and and they stopped building the city. This is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the world scattered them all over the face of the whole earth. And so this goes all the way back to one of our origin stories where God's people, or everyone in creation at this point, come together and they say, we're going to build a city for ourselves. And the Lord looks down and scatters them. And it gives them different, the way he scatters them is by giving them different languages. There's a big question mark at the end of this, like, what's next? And you fast forward, I don't know how many thousands of years, to Acts chapter 2 now. And here's what you have. In the same way, God comes down, and instead of scattering his people with different languages... He unifies them with different languages so that the message of the gospel may be proclaimed. What's what's Acts 2 a story of? It's a story of redemption. And it's a very big, broad stroke of redemption. You guys see in that? That God is redeeming something that is inherently broken within humanity. Separation, disjointment, confusion. In, in the same way, he provides redemption and gives them this message of the gospel, which is a unifying message. It's a beautiful thing. There's a cool thing with, uh, if you think about redemption, redemption is um, it, it's taking something um, that is broken, hurting, um, evil, not the way it should be, taking that same thing and flipping it to be the way it should be, right? And you, you hear this speech in, in sports a lot of times, right? Where if like a, a kicker misses a field goal, a game-winning field goal, 
and the game goes to overtime, and the kicker has a, an opportunity to kick another game-winning field goal, the commentator will say, a chance at redemption, right? Because it's the exact same thing. God is implementing redemption. And this is a big-scale redemption for all of creation. In the same way he sends tongues to separate them in the beginning, he now sends different languages in different tongues as a form of his redemptive history. This is powerful for me, but you know what this is also is? This is very unsettling for me. Because this is like a big, big, like, road. Like, this is a big, like, tie-in to redemption, if you will. And, and like, for me, there, there are parts of my soul that are, like, in part of my heart, part of my being that just does not feel like, it, like it's fully whole or fully complete. There's parts of my life that I do not quite understand nor get. And I don't know if I ever will. But the crazy thing is seeing the broad strokes that Christ and God choose to, to paint with when it comes to all of human history. And in, even in the midst of me being uncertain, not knowing, being skeptical, I feel like the calling is like trust and faithfulness to the gospel that I am part of this story that's far bigger and far grander than, than anything I could actually ever comprehend. Let's go to the second passage. You flip over to Leviticus. So God is painting a, a, a picture of redemption here. And then Leviticus 23, I think. Let me see. Aha, Leviticus 23. Okay, so you, you have the sending of tongues that, that happened or sending of languages that happened in Genesis 11. It is redeemed and, re, and you have a redemptive version of it in Acts chapter 2. But this happens on the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost just didn't initiate um, it went in Acts 2. But Pentecost was a festival, was a feast that God's people celebrated every year. And here, here, here's Pentecost. So uh, Leviticus 23, you're going to start in verse 15. Um, For the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought um, the shaft of the wave of offering, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up until the day after the seventh Sabbath. And then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. Okay, so we're not going to go into all of all the detail there, um, but essentially, uh, what what this celebration was was it was a celebration of the grain or of the barley, and this was marked off seven weeks after Passover plus one Sunday, so fifty days. So they celebrated Passover, and then fifty days after the Passover celebration, you would celebrate. The, the festival or the feast of Pentecost, um, also known as the festival of wheat, um, the festival of wheats, or weeks, excuse me, or the festival of the, the first fruits. 
And so this was a festival in which they brought all of their grain or the, fir- the, the first part of their grain and they, they gave it as an offering to the Lord. And everyone, all of the Jews all over, would come into Jerusalem to offer up um, their, what they produced, to offer up their fruit, if you will. And so why, is, why do you have people from all over in Acts 2 in Jerusalem? Because they're celebrating this festival. And this was directly correlated with the Passover. So the Passover is when they celebrated God's deliverance, God's salvation, God's redemption of them. And then the festival of Pentecost is when they celebrated God provides. The number seven in scripture is the number of wholeness or completion. And so what, what they're, what, what's symbolizing here is God is providing to the fullness and the wholeness of what we need. The Feast of Pentecost was a, um, they were showing that God um, has a holistic provision. And the way that his holistic provision is represented when we get to Acts chapter 2 is him providing for the church with his presence. God is here. God is with us. Jesus just ascended, but the spirit of the living God is upon us. Here's the beautiful thing about Pentecost. If you go to, so Leviticus 23, you go to verse 22. Check this out. So this is part of their instruction for, for what they're to do with their crop. So they offer it up to the Lord. They celebrate it. Everyone from all over is in Jerusalem. And then this is part of the instruction of the festival. When you reap the harvest bearing your land, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings for your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord, your God. So woven into a celebration where they're praising God for his provision is also an instruction for the very thing that they're praising God for, that you would take that and allow that to be what you share with the foreigner and the poor in your midst. Which is a beautiful thing because Acts 2 ends with them giving everything away, caring for one another, and welcoming everyone in. God's provision for us, his, his presence within our lives is not exclusively for our own sake, but so that God's presence would permeate through us to those in our neighborhood, to those who are neglected, to those who are marginalized. And he writes, says, when we fail to see this, we become like the mailman who thinks all the mail is for himself. If you flip over and final passage um, before we break into groups is Revelation chapter 7. So we see this, the story of Pentecost of God sending the spirit on his people as a story of redemption, redeeming what happened at Babel. We see it also as a story of God's provision as he provides to provides his presence to his people linked up with the the feast of pentecost 
But this is also, this is also a, a foreshadowing of what's to come. In Revelation, we have a vision from John of the heavenly realm. And within this realm, here's what John sees. Revelation 7, verse 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hand, and they were crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So we have this beautiful image that one day you and I will be part of this scene. And you, you guys track, you guys catch that? People from every nation, every tribe, and every language before the throne praising God, praising the Lamb. So when we see the story of Pentecost, of God sending his spirit on the church. It is a story of redemption. It's a story of provision, but also it's a story of hope. That this is a little glimmer of empowerment, okay? A big, a big picture of empowerment. But it's also future looking to one day, one day, where the message of the gospel spreads across the world and all of people um, in the renewed heaven and renewed earth are praising God in every language. So here's a question for you. Out of those three connecting points, and I know those are they're kind of broad strokes, which one of these passages, is it um, uh, Leviticus is it um, Genesis 11? Is it Revelation 7? Which one of these connecting points um, stirs your affections for Christ? Stirs your affections for, for the Spirit of God in our midst the most? Would you turn to uh, a few people next to you? We're going to just have some time for discussion. Ready, set, go. As we, um, as we prepare for the communion table, um, Ben, you can... You can come back up, and from what I hear, they have an extended set, um, so we'll be good. Uh, but it, two things as we prepare to approach the, the table is, um, one, um, God is here. God is here. The Spirit of Christ is, is with us. And the second is, God is moving in our midst. Those are two things that we hold on to. And one of the things that um, I've realized is um, I often thought that the movement of God was just always outward, right? Calls the disciples into the communion table. Christ dies on the cross. He resurrects. He appears to many. He ascends into heaven. He sends the spirit on the church and the church just goes out, right? And I always thought this was like an outward movement. And it is an outward movement. But, but what, I'm call, what I'm constantly um, being reminded of is the movement of God is an, that he calls you and I to is an outward movement, but then also inward as well. 
like a tide in the sense that we're, we're sent out and we're called back to the table. And we're sent out and we're called back to the table. We're sent out and we're called back to the table. So let us never, ever lose sight of the fact that we are always called to the Lord's table. We are always invited. We are always welcome. But would we come to the table knowing that this is our sending force, that when we come, we come with our brokenness, with our hurt, with our doubt, and with all, all the stuff that's going on. And then would we understand that like uh, he, we are fed with the bread of life. We are fed with the blood of Christ and we are empowered with his spirit to go out into the world. We eat the bread that's broken because we go into a broken world. And we, we drink the cup symbolizing the shed blood of Christ knowing that the spirit of God now covers us and is with us as we go to bring this good news of the gospel to our streets, to our neighbors, um, and to where God has sent us. And so as we sing some songs, um, we invite you to the table.